0: Um, this is one of those uh, sermons that uh, um, I, I kind of get dumbfounded with, because as I prepare and prepare and prepare for the sermon, I suddenly find that the Lord throws me into a conversation somewhere out in the, what I'll just call the real world, um, and it's like, okay, so I've been preparing the sermon for Sunday morning actually for a conversation that was taking place at the coffee shop that I almost um, could not leave, uh, I didn't want to leave. I just wanted to stay there and continue to have this conversation about what some of these things meant and what it, I I mean, it's it's just been absolutely um, amazing. Um, so I was in this conversation, and it was spurred by the recent activities that we've seen going on over in the Middle East. Um, this is just one of the picture, the early pictures. If you haven't seen um, what's going on over in Jerusalem right now, um, that's what was going on, um, and it just escalated, and it was just like a, a biblical proportion sort of a thing, and it's something that hadn't been seen in decades, and it was just like, wow, look at what's going on. And honestly, people began to just say, Pastor Joe, what are you you think about this? What about that? Or how about this? Or But that's really not what the conversation at the coffee shop was. It was not about who's right, who's wrong, who did it, who didn't do it, what should be happening and what shouldn't be happening, okay? It had a lot more to do with this. What, what, what happens? What, what is it that allows people to do that to other people? That's where the conversation began. How can people do that to other people. And so this was this was really um, where I kind of sunk my teeth into it. Are we evil because of what we do, or do we do what we are doing because we're evil? See? And so it's kind of a, a, a chicken and egg sort of a thing that uh, began a, a conversation that uh, just kept going and going, and pretty soon people that were walking into the coffee shop were weighing in or were being drugged in to the conversation because they might have known some of the people that were there, and, and we began to wrestle with that very question, okay? Are we evil because of what we do, or do we do what we are doing because of the fact that we're evil, okay? Um, you read the atrocities that have taken place in hardline Muslim countries, and it is bad, but I'm not here to throw rocks at Muslims because the truth of the matter is you can look at just about anywhere, and you can find um, some really depraved atrocities. Um, if, you, if you look at Nazi Germany, if you look at, uh, well, with all due respect, Native Americans way back in the 14, 15, 16, 1700s, uh, um, white Europe, um, people during the whole Inquisition. People can do horrible things to people because we're evil. And so I was thinking about this word evil and realizing that everything is not always evil on a national level. Sometimes it's a little more local, but I was thinking about this, world, this word evil, and I know I, I, I've, I've done this before, but the idea that we have this idea that, that evil, the word evil means what, what you know, Hollywood makes for um, Halloween movies. We think that's what evil is, it's, it's demonology, it's blood-sucking, arms ripping off. I, 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 you cannot get me into the theater for one of those movies, but you understand what I'm saying, right? It's like it's just that scary, nasty, awful evil that's going to get you. And we think that that's what evil is, but that's not um, true. When I open up a, a pictorial um, Bible dictionary and I just say, hey, how does, how does the, the word evil, how does it actually apply in your bible this is what's said okay it's a term designating that which is not in harmony with the divine order that's that's the opening sentence for the word evil okay there's nothing like dripping with blood there it's just something that is not reflecting God, okay? In the Bible, evil, going on with this definition, in the Bible, evil is clearly depicted under two distinct aspects, moral and physical. The reconciliation of the existence of evil with the goodness and the holiness of, of, of a God infinite in his wisdom and power is one of the greatest problems of theisms, of arguing scripture back and forth and trying to understand it. It's one, if God is so good, how could he let evil exist? The Scriptures indicate that evil has been permitted by God in order that His justice might be manifested in evil's punishment and His grace might be manifested in its forgiveness. And so we see that. And you say, well, that's still not fair. Listen, I can't dictate God to you. God has to dictate God. We as human beings are just trying to understand it. What I do know is the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 6, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Think about that. Only evil all the time. Not only wanting to kill somebody, not only wanting to dismember somebody, not only wanting to do gross, vicious, nasty, ugly, horrible, newsworthy things, Just our hearts are always set against God. We're not always in our own hearts left to ourselves, reflecting the person of God. Therefore, we are evil. There's good, those that are in a a right relationship with God, communion, communing with God, and then there's evil. Those who are choosing not to believe in God, but it doesn't mean they're mean, nasty people. They might be nice people. They just don't care about God. And so the Scripture will define evil as, as that which does not care about God. It, it's, it's just there. And so we think about that. Left to itself, we always want what is best for me, not, as be, not what is best for us. You say, well, I, I'm not sure I buy that. And sure enough, the argument in the coffee shop went that same direction. I don't think I buy that, Joe. It's like, really? Really? In 30 years of pastoring churches... And meeting with people and wanting to love on people and wanting to counsel people, just in marriages alone, okay? Just in marriages alone. The single most, the 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 single biggest answer that I get over and over and over again when people come in and want to talk about their marriage is, I am not happy. Well, so what, Pastor Joe? Okay, hold on. What that means is, even in a marriage, I want what I want. When people come into my office and and they're saying, hey, we're struggling in our marriage, it's like, okay, let's sit down and talk about your marriage. Well, she won't do what I say. Well, he won't lead me the way I think God said to. Well, she, And it just goes back and forth and back and forth. And we see really quickly that more struggles, and this is my, I, I, I believe this, more struggles in marriage alone are egocentric and have to do with personal satisfaction, that have to do with personal achievement, that have to do with personal fulfillment, that have to do with personal gratification. Okay, gratifaction. gratification. Gratification gratification. You might want to write that down in case you hear the you know, somebody in political arena use that word. You say, oh, my pastor came up with that one. Gratification, personal gratification. and And just not getting things their way. Because inside of us is a humanity that wants what it wants, when it wants it, and how it wants it. And we usually want it now. Now. We don't want to work for it. We don't want to do that. But I'm going to tell you right now, the marriages that work and the marriages that last are marriages that compromise. It was really, really funny to me when the guy sitting across the table for me on one occasion said, yeah, well, you and I probably believe different things about women. For instance, and I said, whoa, stop right there. I said, I doubt very seriously that you and I, oh, yeah, listen, you're a pastor, you're a church guy, you're just like, okay, well, I'm an egalitarian. As close as I can get and understand it, I'm an egalitarian, okay? I believe that my wife is an absolute equal to me. And I heard a a preacher preaching this past week this very thing because the word used in the Old Testament for helper is the same word used over and over in the Old Testament for God coming alongside of you. It's like, oh, my wife is going to be hard to live with now. She thinks she's God, (laughs) Like, that was already the problem, Pastor Joe. No, I'm just telling you, that Hebrew word for we need to create Adam a helper is the one that says God is our helpmate, our very present helper in times of trouble. That that word. See, it's not a subservient word. It's an equal or an empowering position to help you do your job. Let me just share this with you. God looked down from heaven and said, look at Adam. He's not getting the job done. Thank you. I appreciate that. That The godly woman right there. I'm just telling you, he said, let's make him a helper. Not, and listen, I'm just going to be Joe for a second. My wife's like, oh, no. Okay. Not, let's make him a hooker. Hooker. A what? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Not somebody just to have sex with. Let's not make him somebody to boss around. That's not what they said. God said, and I say they because the word is Elohim. Let us make God in our image. Okay, Excuse me, man in our image. And so they made a woman for him to help him. To come alongside of him. And that's what was going on. And so the marriages that last and that work are the marriages that compromise, the marriages that work together on disagreements and decisions and complement each other instead of compete with each other. The winners are the ones that read Ephesians 5. Some of you know that scripture. Wives, submit to your husbands. It's right there, Pastor Joe. (laughs) Yeah, right before that it says submit to one another. (laughs) How come you skipped over that part? Because I'm not getting my way. Now we're back to my original point. You're only evil all the time. You want what you want when you want it and how you want it all the time. Okay? So the, 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 the biblical point is you and I are born evil, separated from God, not evil, malicious, and contemptuous. We're just born apart from reflecting the person of God. It's just like that. Okay? And then it escalated quickly especially in Abraham's day, when God told him that he would give him a son. Now, uh, again, I'm going to get to the actual passage today from <laughs> James chapter 4, but, but listen to me for a second, okay? I want you to find yourself in this as you pray to God, okay, for whatever it is you're asking God to do in your life. It escalated quickly, personal opinion, in Abraham's day when God told Abraham he would give him a son through Sarai even though he was 90 years old. People. Abraham and Sarah decided that God was not acting on behalf of their happiness fast enough. It literally actually came down to that. We want a baby like everybody else so I can find fulfillment, so that I can be a mom, so that I can be a dad, so that I can have an heir, so that I can have a, and God, you said you would do it, and you're not getting it done fast enough, so I guess we're going to just have to sit around the campfire, and we're just going to have to figure out what we can do to make this happen a little faster, and Sarah says, hey, I got this uh, handmaiden over here. Her name is Hagar, and I, I mean, I'm just, I don't know what Hagar means. I just know that if I'm probably not going to marry somebody named Hagar. Okay, if your name's Hagar and you're watching, I'm real sorry. Okay, but that name just sounds like scary to me. It's like, no, no, I don't want, I want Sarah. Okay, I don't want a Hagar. I want a Sarah. It's, it's more musical. It's a nicer name. Okay, and so you have this picture and she says, here's Hagar, but she must have been pretty enough or Abraham must have had a problem enough or whatever it might be. Then he sleeps with her. Who thought that was a good idea? I mean, come on. But Abraham's not too unlike you and I. And so they took things into their own hands, Abraham and Sarai did, with Hagar. And hence the fight between Ishmael and Isaac, the two boys that were born out of those two um, relationships. The one with Sarah was Isaac, the child that actually came, son of my happiness. And then um, Ishmael, the one that came from Hagar that got cast out and then came back. And God said, don't worry about this. But look what the angel of the Lord said to Hagar. Said so the angel of the Lord also said to Hagar, You are now pregnant, and you will give birth to a son, and you will name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. And look at how he describes what's going on in the Middle East right now, where I started this whole conversation this morning. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him, and he will live in hostility toward all of his brothers, all nations all brothers, all people, if you don't think for a split second that the choices you are making at work, in your relationships, in relationship to sin, in relationship to violence, if you don't think the decisions that you are making matter anyway, do you really think that Abraham thought that sleeping with hagar was totally inconsequential and only mattered to him. And yet here we are thousands of years later with our news cameras all focused on a piece of property I think it's what 75 miles wide and 150 miles long. It's not like they mine gold there. It's like wow. It's because there's something going on. It describes a battle that began in heaven when the angel Lucifer determined he could supplant God and do a better job than God. If you don't believe me, read Ezekiel 28. Do it on your own time. I'm not going to bring it up here, but it's absolutely amazing. That scripture is not about Cyrus. It starts about Cyrus, but it's a prophetic word. Just go through and say, is he talking about Cyrus? Was this Cyrus before? Was this Cyrus before? Was this Cyrus before? He's talking about Lucifer. Okay? So the world has become a battle between heaven and hell, Cain and Abel, Ishmael and Isaac, Jerusalem and Babylon, Christianity and Islam. And actually Islam and everyone. And that's the world that we live in right now. So I read this passage for you. All of that to bring you to this passage right here. In the book of James, chapter 4, beginning of verse 1, it says this. and Just reading the first three verses. What causes fights and quarrels among you? What causes fights and quarrels among you in your relationship to your siblings? In your relationship with your friends? In your relationship with your co-workers? In your relationship with your spouse, what causes fights and quarrels among you. Because this can be a national or a local level. James goes on to say, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. And there's a period there, and I I know we put those periods there. But there's a period there. He goes on to say, you kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and you fight, And you do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasure. So it would appear that James is very specifically talking about the idea that we ask God for more and more and more and more and more and lots and lots and lots and lots of money because he said you're spending it. You're spending it. See? And so we have this picture. We want what we want when we want it, and that's like I said usually now. When we look at the robbing and the looting and the stealing that's going on on the West Coast, I mean shutting down Walmarts, shutting down Targets, shutting down because of all the things that are going on, when you make robbing and theft in the stores just a misdemeanor that comes down to a $50 ticket and you just start passing out because the judicial system is so choked up, what did you think would happen? If I get caught stealing 50000 I don't know what the limits are, but worth of merchandise, all I'm going to get is a $50 ticket. Why wouldn't they break in and rob them? Their hearts are only evil all the time. You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. That's why you're seeing what's going on in the Middle East. James is right. Our world is me, 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 me. But at the same time, God invites us to come boldly before the throne to find help in our time of need and I think to find desire fulfilled in our time of want. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe that God said that he is your father. And if you want to walk into the throne room and say, Dad, can I, should I, will I, can yes, absolutely, and do that. I believe that we have the, the right to. Jesus specifically said this, and it is written in red. Ask and it will, capital be given to you. Seek and you it will be found by you. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. The word will, absolute. And I used to wonder about this passage out of Matthew a lot. It's in the Sermon on the Mount. It's in the, the, the central teachings of Jesus Christ. He said this would happen. My question has a lot more to do with how do we approach God? Are we seeking God? Are we honoring God? Are we wanting God? Or are we just saying, gimme, 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 in our flesh? James says we do not have because we have not asked God, but then he challenges our motives and said, but you're not going to receive because it's just all about you having. So let me just go down through a couple things here. If you have a want or a desire... I would encourage you to go to God, a want or a desire. Laughingly, my wife will say, oh, we're not praying for another dog. We're not praying for a guitar. We're not praying because God's going to give it to you. And it's like, why would you say that? Because he always does. And I'm not saying health, wealth, and prosperity. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, if God is my father and I have the right to walk in and say, Dad, can I, and he has the right to say no, then we have a healthy relationship. If he doesn't, then we don't. See, my grandchildren know that they can can come and ask me for anything that they want as long as it's okay for me to be able to say no to them. I'm going the wrong way with my stuff. All right? So as long as no is a viable answer, they can ask, and that's my rule. Ask away. One of them came over the other day and said, can I do some work to earn some money? I said, what happened to the last money I gave you? They said, I'm saving it. I said, well, good for you. Yes, you can. <laughs> I have some work. My wife happened to be gone all weekend. I was by myself. I don't want to clean and straighten out and do all those things. So yes, that's what grandchildren are for. Get you some. Okay? <laughs> Just get them in the right order. But if, if you've got a want or a desire, do not be afraid or think that I can't go to God. It's too petty. It's too whatever. It's too selfish. It's, no. No. Go ask God. Jesus said in Matthew 7, for everyone who asks or receives, the one who seeks finds, the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, you'll give him a snake? If you then... Um, Though your evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? There you go. That's the core of Jesus' teachings. Live in such a close, personal relationship with Jesus Christ that you can ask anything you want of him. Okay, But some of you, honestly, in here, and even right now, your souls are like, Joe, I don't know. You're, you're kind of like um, my, my wife last year gave a, a catalog to a couple of my grandkids and said, here, just, can you just show us, me and Grandpa, what you would like to have for, for Christmas? And one of them went through and said, I'm shooting for the moon. you know. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to have that new car. I'm going to have all this stuff. And they're going to get everything. And the other one grabbed the catalog away from her and said, now, listen, that's too expensive. You can't ask for that. And that's some of you. Some of you are Martha. You are. Some of you are Mary, and you're like, Lord, can we have all the houses on this block? And some of you are like, you can't ask God that. Ask Him if you can have a a stool to sit on. That's what you can ask God. And I'm telling you, no. Ask God whatever you want because He already knows. And not just so you can just have, 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 have. That's not what I'm trying to say, okay? But please ask Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desire of your heart. Too many people quote, the Lord's going to give me the desire of my heart. That's not what that says. It says if you delight yourself in the Lord. I personally believe wholeheartedly that if you delight yourself in the Lord, the Lord is going to change your heart to be delighted in the things that he's delighted in, and then he's going to give you those delights. I believe that. But I'll tell you what, if I'm staring down the throat of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, I'm not afraid to ask him if I could have steak tonight. And if he says, eat the peanut butter, I'm going to say, God gave me a peanut butter sandwich. This is great. I'm not going to say he didn't do what I said. He's God. I'm not God. Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says no. And sometimes God says You can work hard to make it happen if you want to. It's your desire. Knock yourself out. You want a different job? Get the education. You're sitting here telling me that you're 45 years old or 50 years old or 60 years old and you're too old to go back to college. Well, you've already defeated yourself. You've already defeated yourself. When you start setting parameters, you're already done seeing the miraculous. If you're not willing to walk out on the water, you're never going to walk on the water. You've got, you got to be willing to get out of the boat. And the boat says you go to college when you're, you know, 18 years old. No, you go to college now if you want to. Change the whole course of your life. So ask God for anything. Number two, are you serious about what you're asking God for? You ever seen those children in, the, in a Walmart? Mom, can I have that? 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 I want one of those you know they have the meltdown maybe when you were little you were that child I don't know you could have been you know I want one of those can I have one of these what are you doing with the thing that God gave you last time he answered your prayer what are you doing with it is it in the closet did you sell it at a garage sale did you throw it away it was just taking up too much space? Fifteen years down the road, you realize, ah, it's not as valuable as I thought it was in the moment that I absolutely thought I had to have it. What are you doing with the thing that you asked God for when He answered your prayer? Are you pouring into your marriage when you were crying out for marriage? Are you pouring into a career when you were crying out for a career, a better job? Are you spending faster than you were before you got the job you've got now? Think about it. What are you doing with the thing? Because I think James, when he challenges us and says you don't have because you ask a miss that you might consume it upon yourself, what he's saying is you really don't want it. You're just going through the candy store of life saying, gimme, 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 gimme. And God's saying, we're going to answer the one that you're serious about. James says this in the first chapter of the book of James, but when you ask for wisdom, specifically is what he's speaking about, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything. That, that's beyond wisdom. The word anything includes wisdom, but it's beyond wisdom. See, if you're going to ask for God, and you're not going to believe that God can, will, or is, is going to do something on your behalf. You're just being blown about saying, gimme, gimme, I'll have this, I'll have this. And, and James says such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they should do. They shouldn't expect to receive anything from God. Do you really want what you're asking for? And what will you do with it? That's the last one. What will you use the answers of your prayers for? <laughs> the thing that you're crying out for the most in your life right now, if God gave it to you, how would you translate that into kingdom blessing? How would you do it? How would you use that to step into the kingdom of God? The last thing Jesus said before he left the planet was, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That's the NIV version of that passage, okay? Here's the JWCV right here. Therefore, as you go along to your jobs, your homes, your fun, your soccer games, out to dinner, to the car shows, to the football games, to the dog shows. Use everything that is you to make disciples, meaning to tell people about your relationship to Jesus. Share my Jesus. Share Jesus' teachings with them so that they can follow me as well, and I will be with you as you do your best. Now, go. Now, that's not the Jehovah's Witness version. That's the Joe Wood version of that passage. I believe That God puts so many things, so many people, so many relationships into our lives. Because we are supposed to stay focused on moving the kingdom of God forward. But when we don't and we just consume it upon ourselves and we begin to live like only living on the earth is the only thing that matters. We miss the joy of understanding that we we can act in faith because there is a world beyond the one we're living right now. God bless those people that have no hope in an eternity. Because they should just eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die. But you and I, how are we investing what God has put into us, into this command to go and make disciples? James says that all good gifts um, come down from the Father of light. And since... um, the father of lights invited us to make disciples, then how are we doing that? When we go to the car show and we sit and we talk with people, how do we slip in Jesus? How do we begin to talk about Jesus? How do we ask somebody where they go to church? When somebody comes to my house and they says, hey, I uh, want to buy one of your puppies, what's the deal? I start with Hi, I'm Pastor Joe. I own seven J Cane Corsos and, and this is in and hey, how can I pray for you? And and I have conversations like that with people. It's crazy. How are you translating the blessings that you have to the glory of God? Make a difference. Peter says, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that lies within you or that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander." I opened up with a picture of what's going on over in Israel. I've seen so many Christian people get so anxious and so caught up and so worried. They're they're thinking that they need to empty the shelves of bullets and they need to prepare the bunker and they need to buy the you know the food that will last forever that even the cockroaches won't eat and on and on and on. And it's like I want to ask you this. Nothing is happening that God is not allowing because it's part of His plan. Why should we live in fear of what's going on? I'm sorry for what's going on. I'm sad for what's going on. Yes, if I was living over there, I would be nervous about bombs dropping. But in my conversations at the coffee shop, I still am saying to them over and over, my life is beyond this planet that I live on. And I recognize that and I believe it so much. That I can handle God doing whatever God needs to do. doesn't mean I'll always like it. But I don't have to live in fear. And when God says jump, I don't have to not jump because what if God doesn't? I jump because God said in obedience to obey is better than sacrifice. According to the Scripture. Our anxiety should not be choking up our lives our understanding somebody asked me do you think you're good this and I love this question do you think based on what we're seeing that you'll be around when the trumpet blows and Jesus comes back I said I hope so I hope I'm still here I hope I'm not watching it from the bleachers I hope great cloud of witnesses looking down going go get him Jesus go get him it's like no uh, no 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 I hope I'm going down here going look 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 as I'm leaving the planet that's what I hope I hope I get to be here for it do I believe it could happen yes any second now but let me just ask you this what have you been asking God for that you think he's not listening just because he's not giving it to you I have a few things in my life. I'd rather tell God he's not listening than that he said no. Because no is final. And I don't want final. I want hope. I want hope. What is it you've been asking for? Can we pray with you about that thing that you're praying about? That you're looking for an answer from God for this morning? Could I invite you to get up right now and come up here and just let us pray over if you're going, oh, no, I don't want to do that, but yes, there is this. Do me a favor. Just come on up here. Let's just get this business taken care of so, you know, we can we can move through the service. Is there something in your life right now you've been praying for that you're like, yes, I'll do it every Sunday. I want prayer for this. It's going to take a little courage. Just get up and move. Just like that. That's how it's done. Yeah. We're going to pray. I'm not going to ask you to speak into a microphone. I'm just going to ask heaven to come down here and crash into your heart and fill it up to overflowing. That's all I'm going to do. And who knows, this might be the day that it actually happens. Why not? Let's approach the throne of grace and say, why not today, God? Why not? And then show me how to use it for you, Lord. Why not? When you go home, go to work tomorrow, you just look people in the eye. And say, why not? today, and they'll think you're crazy. But the conversation will come, and you'll get to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. Because now you're saying, why not? If I can't say, why not? It's because I don't have hope that it could happen. I want the hope. I want the hope. Can I ask the prayer team to come on up here and we're going to pray for them. Anybody else? While we're well, we're going to pray. So, if you'd like to come up here and and pray as well. We'd love to have you. Let's pray. Fathers, we come before you right now. We thank you and we praise you for the blessing of who you are and what you're doing in our midst. God, we thank you for this word from James that, that offers us the world but invites us to lay it at your feet. Whether it's our desire, our want, Or God, even our need. I just want to thank you that you say that we have the right as your children to come boldly into the throne of grace to find help in our time of need. But I also know, Lord, that you love to see your children laugh. That you love to see them excited about life. And so forgive us the times that we go through going, gimme, 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 gimme everything. And focus us, focus us into taking the things that you've already said yes to and translating them into good conversations, better conversations with people about the love of God that is here for us. God, in the midst of the prayers that are being said now, I want to pray for these two young ladies that have come here. And God, in my prayer, I'm not begging. In the name of Jesus, I am releasing I am releasing your power into their hearts to fill them up, to meet them right where they are, God. First with you, for their children, God, for their careers, for their parents, for their past, but for their future. Because you're leading them forward. You're not behind them, God. You're walking with them. So I pray that they become just emotionally and excitedly aware of you meeting them at this moment here because you are a God who loves to love on us but it's not just for our sake God make us a people that likes to brag and glorify you in the midst of our everyday life we speak this blessing upon them in the name of Jesus Christ and we command it so be it amen